Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Grave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. You know that uh, people are really enjoying your preaching when they come all the way from Colorado to come hear you. So, so, eh. She's like, I didn't come for that reason. (laughs) All right. Uh, Last month I talked on challenging defeatism. And basically, I was confronting the mentality of defeatism. And what defeatism is, is an attitude of accepting, expecting, or being resigned to defeat. So even before the battle, even before the race has begun, a defeatist believes that he's already failed. Because he believes, he expects, he accepts, and he's resigned himself to defeat even before the battle. And I gave a few examples in scripture, but the one that I landed on was Matthew 25, 25. And this is a parable where Jesus talks about a master giving uh, bags of silver to his servants. And so he gave one, uh, five bags to one, two to another, and one to another servant. And this is verse 25. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. And I think the important thing here is that we see that this servant had a view of the master. He believed him to be harsh. And so he was afraid, so he hid it. The other ones took it, they multiplied it. And when the the master came back, he said, good and faithful servant. So faithfulness in scripture coincides with multiplication. And in verse 14, it talks about he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So this was not a wage for them. This was an investment. And then I went on to talk about what has God entrusted you with? What has God placed within you as an investment? What has God placed within you that he expects a return? And I encouraged you that what you have inside of you, what has been invested into you is what the world needs now more than ever. So what will we do with it? Will we be fearful? Will we hide it? Or will we multiply it? And so one of the strategies or one of the practical things that I encouraged you to do was in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. For this reason, I remind you. Now, you got to understand that Timothy had faith invested into him from his mother and his grandmother. So he had this faith, and you can see that in, in the verse before. But for this reason, I remind you, 
remind you, because this faith that's within you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of, for the spirit God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So there's this correlation between stirring up the gift of God with inside of you and confronting fear. Because fear, if we allow fear a place, it will dim our gifting. So Paul encouraged Timothy to stir it up, to fan into flame. And whenever I talk about that, I always talk about how I like to fan the flame, right? In reality, I get the sled out, get it. It's a real party pleaser. So, so today I wanted to talk about, okay, uh, today I wanted to talk about where has our courage gone? If you're going to fulfill God's desire for your life, you must be brave, you must be willing to confront fear. Actually, you could see it throughout the scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Right? So this has been an issue for a long time. So if you're de- dealing with fear, it's not a new thing. But guess what? We're empowered because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. If we're going to fulfill God's desire for our life, we must be willing to move past the, expecta- the expectation of failure. You must be willing to activate the investment that God has placed within you, within you to stir it up, to fan into flame. So let's start in Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, now I want you to notice something. This is at the tail end of Deuteronomy. And the next book is Joshua. Okay. So Moses pulls, well, he didn't pull him aside because he said it in front of everybody. But he tells Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong, right? The next book, God tells him the exact same thing. Right? So this must have been an issue, (laughs) right? So Moses is prophesying over him because we know that God later said it. He's prophesying over him, and then God speaks to him personally about not being afraid and not being discouraged. So let's read it. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, I like how that was. Everybody's going to hear this. Be strong and courageous, for you must go with the people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Like I said, if you are going to fulfill the call of God on your life, you will have to confront fear. You will have to confront discouragement. You will have to be strong and courageous. So notice how fear and discouragement work together. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And discouragement means to remove or separate you from courage. It means to remove or to separate you from courage. 
Do not be afraid. Why? Because if you give place to it, it will separate you from courage. It also means to break down your resolution to do something. Have you ever been harassed by the enemy, the lies of the enemy, and it wore you down where you're like, no sense in doing this? Actually, scripture talks about that the, the enemy is to wear out the saints. So I love this exhortation. I love this prophetic word from Moses. It says, be strong and courageous for you must go. Don't you love that? What is he saying? There is no other option. The investment that God places within you, there is not another option. Be strong and courageous for you kind of have to go. You might need to go. If you're feeling it, maybe you should. No. For you must go. There's no other option. You must step into the promised land. You must fulfill your call. You must be brave and confront your adversary. But what does discouragement do? Discouragement questions it all. I love what it says. Be strong and courageous for you must go with this people. You got You got that? See, discouragement would say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the right people. (laughs) Remember, like, there's been a history of issues with this people. (laughs) Right? So discouragement will get you to say, is this really the place? Is this really the person? Am I really the person? Come on. Is now really the time? You see, fear works together with discouragement because fear, if we give place to it, it opens the door to separate us from courage. It eats away at it. It breaks our resolution to do something. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens by giving place to it over and over again. And discouragement will cause you to weigh options you've been never given. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been broken down by fear and discouragement that you're like, well, maybe I should do this. It never even popped into your, you're weighing things that you would have never thought you would have. And Moses cuts through all the noise and all the chatter, and declared over Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you must go. I would say there are things inside of you that leave no room for an option. That we have been invested into by Father God, that there is a demand on our life to go. In whatever realm of influence that is, that we must go and step into what has been given to us. Now, discouragement, I'm sure only a few people have ever felt that before. 
right? No, no, just, so I would say we all felt it, right? We've all experienced it. And even some of us been in seasons of it. Have you ever been in a season of it? I would say it's not a fun place. It's not the four seasons, it's the fifth season. So all of us know the feeling of discouragement, but do we understand why we experience it? Do we understand the purpose of it? Discouragement means to be shattered, to be dismayed, to be broken. See, when we are discouraged for long periods of time, we, be, we begin to feel separated. It, be, it becomes difficult to piece things together. And you begin to think, you know, who I am doesn't really match my calling, right? Your identity becomes disjointed from your calling. Your vision becomes disjointed from your present reality. You're looking and saying, yeah, this is what you said, Lord, but this is where I'm at. (laughs) It means to be shattered. It means to be dismayed. And dismayed means to cause to lose courage or resolution because of alarm or fear. So do you see how fear and discouragement partner together? I want you to understand something. That when you are discouraged, when you are discouraged, you have to understand that there is an element of fear in your life. See, we just think what sadness or it's like bummed out or we're feel a little hopeless. You have to understand that fear partners with discouragement to separate you from calling and purpose. So dismay means to lose courage or resolution because of alarm or fear. And resolution is a firm determination to do or not to do something. See, when you lose resolution, you lose confidence. When you begin, through discouragement, begin to weigh options that you were not given, you will lose confidence. And why is that? How many of you guys know, um, how many of you have a computer screen? If you don't, what you been doing? <laughs> you know, we all, we, and so some of us know how to do this, but you can change the resolution of your computer screen. And so the higher the resolution, the crisper it is, the sharper it is. But when you lower the resolution, you lose clarity, okay? So when you lose resolution to do something, guess what happens? Your vision becomes blurry. You're like, you know what? I just don't see it the same way anymore. Another thing that happens when you lower the resolution is things become bigger. If you look at my mother's computer... (laughs) She does not like it on the highest resolution. It's too small. It, her, her recycling bin is the size of that, you know? Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. So when you lower the resolution, things become bigger. What does that mean? 
When we lose resolution to do something, mountains or molehills will become mountains. Things will become exaggerated because we lost a resolution. So what are some signs of discouragement? I said a few of them, but loss of clarity or blurry vision. When God's vision was imparted, it was crystal clear. How many of you have ever been at the altar? You've been in your car praying. You've been singing in the shower. Wherever you, you've been mowing the lawn, wherever you hear the voice of God. Now, he could speak to us anywhere, but how many of you kind of have a place where, you know, God really speaks or maybe you're really listening? So in that moment, you're like, yes, this is awesome. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever. God is so awesome. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. And guess what? It's so crystal clear. And then 10 minutes later happens. What was that, SpongeBob? An hour later or whatever. One hour later, yeah. I'm horrible. I can't do anything. I think I heard this from one of the Bishop, uh, Bishop Hammond or one of the Hammonds, and, but they, it always stuck with me. Never doubt in the dark what you heard in the light. And so God will speak to us things. We'll become excited about it, and then we get slapped in the face of reality. But I would say if we're following God, we're going to have to quote-unquote confront reality because where he's leading us, wants, he wants to shift what's happening. So your circumstances will become magnified. Every molehill becomes a mountain. Every obstacle becomes impassable. Have you ever been around someone, they're like, this is so difficult. And you're like, well, why don't you just do this? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Things have become so exaggerated. So when discouragement isn't confronted and it prolongs, your life will become disjointed. This is the language of discouragement. Things that we might say if we're discouraged. I can't handle this. I'm done. Nothing makes sense. There's always an issue. I've just learned to expect the worst. What's the point? It's never effective. No one cares. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. But it gives you an idea of the things. Remember, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we can become aware of certain things that we're saying, it might make us aware of what's going on on the inside. Many people just want to confront the feeling of a spirit rather than identifying why a spirit is harassing them. I mean, when you think about it, you're like, the purpose of the spirit of fear is to make you afraid. Sort of. But the goal is control. Actually, the truth is, the goal of every evil spirit is influence over your life. Period. And we know from John 10, 10, we got to throw it in there, that the end goal of the thief is to steal, to kill, and destroy. So if a spirit desires to control you, the end goal is stealing, killing, and destroying. 
And you might be thinking, well, it just makes me afraid. It makes me feel hopeless. But the point is to steal from you, to kill destiny and purpose. And so if we see it through the proper lens, it's not just about being afraid. It's not just about being hopeless. It's not just about being discouraged. It's about control over your life. When Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a, one of power, love, and a sound mind. Think about this. We are spiritual beings. We were meant to be influenced by the spirit realm. So this is why it says, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but the one that you've been given is one of power, love, and a sound mind. In Romans, it talks about those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have to understand something. By design, we were created to be influenced and led by spirits. Now, as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit. But the truth is that by design, we were, by design, how we were created, it was meant to be influenced and led by spirit. That's why Paul says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So many people want to just confront the feeling of a spirit rather than identifying why a spirit is harassing them. So the feelings of hopelessness and anger, isolation, divided mind, lack of clarity, lack of motivation are not the end goal of discouragement. They are just symptoms. Okay? The feelings of discouragement are just symptoms. Remember, Joshua had plenty of reasons to be discouraged. That's why Moses said, be strong and courageous. That's why God spoke to him again. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Joshua is now expected to lead a people that had a history of complaining and rebellion for over 40 years. I would say that's a pattern. <laughs> And Moses says, be strong and courageous. No option. You must go with this people. <laughs> He's like, can we just do like half of, you know? Can you see how fear and discouragement partner together? When we only address symptoms, we will remain in cycles. I'm going to say that again. When we only address symptoms, we remain in cycles. So to combat discouragement, you don't attack the symptoms. Alleviating the symptoms is a temporary fix. This is why cycles are never dealt with. So to combat or confront discouragement, you must identify the area of lost courage and step into it. Why does the spirit of discouragement want to control you and influence you? So you don't step into what God has called you to do. So how do you combat the spirit of discouragement? You stay in your room and hide <laughs> and you wallow. No, you step into what God has called you to do. Like Moses said, be strong and courageous, for you must go. Are you guys getting this? 
this is how you attack the virus of discouragement, not just the symptoms of it. You step into calling. You step into identity. You step into purpose. You step into vision. And the thing is, like I said before, if all we do is address the symptoms of discouragement, it's going to be popping up all the time. Well, this is the season of it now. It's kind of like the cold season, right? Faith people don't like to say cold season, but... But for some of us, it's, well, it's that time again where my emotions are just out of whack. I feel hopeless. And we get breakthrough, and then we fall back into it. We get breakthrough, and then we fall back into it. And I want to challenge you to say, what is the thing God has called you to do? Step into it. Step into it. Here's the thing about discouragement. Discouragement doesn't always attack the area that seems obvious. So you make a step towards destiny, and discouragement comes through financial pressures. Okay, God, I'm going to do what you said. Uh, You get a call from your spouse. Hey, the washer's not working anymore. (laughs) Or you're driving down the road and... uh, uh, your car breaks down, and guess what? It's the part that they don't make anymore. You know, that's the part that happens, you know. Now, I want to say this, that a spirit doesn't have control over these things. I'm saying these things happen. But what a spirit will do will try to attach itself to the emotion of it. And then we start saying this, I'm just going to expect the worst. <laughs> What about relational issues? God, I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to step out and, and fulfill everything that you said. Uh, where, you, where you call me, I'm going to go. And then that troubled relative happens again. <laughs> Good old Johnny. Who was the one that you always, like, in youth, you were like, jo- Johnny Cool or Joe Cool? Yeah, it was Joe Cool. Like, in youth, Joe Cool was a bad guy, if you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So it's that cousin or that aunt or that situation that just pops up again. Or those coworkers, that coworker issues. Basically, it's that not again tactic that wants us to fall back into discouragement. So the goal, the goal is to draw attention away from the real issue. What is the real issue? What has been invested into you? Calling, purpose, destiny, kingdom transformation. So you will shut the door to discouragement when you step into courage. So cycles of discouragement are empowered when you forfeit your power to your circumstance. As long as you forfeit your power to your circumstance, cycles of discouragement will become predictable. Discouragement wants to keep you in crisis. Why is this important to know? Because not every crisis is your personal responsibility to resolve. When you, when you see when you try to resolve every crisis, you begin to lose resolution on what you're called to do. 
So if I spend my time, my resources, my giftings, my talents, energy, energy physically, physically or emotionally on things that I was never meant to fix, what is left for the things that I was called to? And the truth is, the things that you are called to, they have their own crisis. <laughs> I'm not saying run from crisis. I'm just saying make sure it's a crisis that you were meant to solve or deal with, right? So if you allow crisis to distract you from your destiny, guess what? There's going to always be crisis. So all I'm saying is, where is God leading you? Where is he taking you? And it could be a big thing. It could be like a macro thing, like I see, see God using me in this. Or it could be a small thing. Smile at your neighbor. I don't know. Right? The most powerful and liberating action you could ever take is to hear and obey the voice of God. You want to be set free? Of any spirit, hear the voice of God and obey it. Yeah. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. And if we're children of God, we have the inheritance of our father. And it's good. Many times discouragement can be traced back to delayed obedience. Many times, discouragement can be traced back to delayed obedience because our advancement is halted because we're missing the key that only obedience could bring. The Lord says, I want you to do this. And you're kind of wrestling with it or you put it on the back burner, right? <laughs> you put it on the back burner and you don't get around to it. And then you're wondering why things aren't feeling completed. You're feeling unfulfilled. Are there things that God has spoken to us that we have not done? That was only for me. No one else, right? <laughs> Truths that are waiting to revealed, be revealed through the act of obedience. Do you realize when you obey the voice of God and you do it, a new revelation of who he is is going to be revealed. Open doors that cannot be walked through until you walk through the opportunity before you. How many visionaries do we got here? A bunch of you, right? A few of you. But one of the issues with the visionary, they want this step to be the final step, <laughs> right? Now, I want it now, right? But the truth is, sometimes it's layers, Sometimes you got to walk through this door to get to this door. And we're wondering why, that, why the big macro thing isn't happening because you're not doing the thing that you were told to do before. The maturity that is established through surrendering your will that, that in turn prepares you for the weight of the new level. Sometimes things are not released to us because we haven't gained the maturity through walking through the simple act of obedience. See, a lot of times if you talk about discouragement, we always think it's out there. Things that are happening around us. 
But the truth is we can become discouraged by not doing what we were called to do. So because of fear, I don't step out. And because I don't step out, I'm discouraged. God, when is this going to happen? Well, I gave you the key for that door. Got to walk through it. 2 Corinthians 3.17. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what quality or characteristic of God is this verse referring to? The lordship. You know, we can have some awesome times in worship and God can show up. But the truth is, it's where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. So his lordship deals with his authority, his influence, his power. So what brings freedom? Submitting to the lordship of the spirit. Are you guys seeing the difference? Sometimes we get Holy Ghost goosebumps and we think that we're free. But what brings freedom is obeying his voice. I'm not saying that those Holy Ghost goosebumps don't make you feel good or they give some level of motivation. But what I'm saying is if God speaks something to you, that is the thing that's going to bring you freedom. And let me tell you what, the thing that he speaks is probably not the thing that you want to do. (laughs) Sometimes. I don't think God always leads us into difficult things. I'm just saying that sometimes freedom takes a step in a direction that makes us feel uncomfortable. Risk. So 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, so we're talking about the Lordship, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you see? So this is in the context of his Lordship. So all of us who have had that veiled removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. How are we changed into his glorious image? We hear his voice and obey it. Simple. Not easy sometimes, right? So you can't expect the freedom that God offers doing your own thing. Whenever or wherever the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Oswald Chambers said, Even the smallest bit of obedience opens heaven, and the deepest truths of God immediately become yours. Yet, God will never reveal more truth about himself to you until you have obeyed what you already know. He's saying, Any ounce of obedience unlocks heaven and reveals who God is. Just a little bit. But he's saying, if we do not obey the things that we already know, he won't reveal more. Because like I said, 
Sometimes we're not getting the revelation that we need because we haven't made the step of obedience to the door that he's already spoken to us. So I won't give you more until you experience what you have already been given. That kind of sounds a lot like those bags of silver. Right? Doesn't it? Sounds a lot like, hey, I'm leaving this with you. I'm going to go away. When I come back, what is he expecting? He's expecting multiplication. But what did the one servant do? I know you're a harsh master, so I was afraid, and I hid it. And, and the thing about that verse is, is he said, look, here's your money back. The master was not happy, was he? Because he wanted a return on his investment. So the experience that you receive through obedience is the key to open the next door of revelation. Be strong and courageous, for you must go. Are you guys following me? So I want to just give you a couple quick practical steps. So these are practical steps to breaking the cycle of discouragement. Whether you feel like you're in a cycle of discouragement or just experience discouragement on some level, I believe that these steps can help you confront it. So obviously these aren't in any particular order, but if there was a first one, this one might be the first one. Maybe it is the first one. The first step to breaking cycles of discouragement is recognize that you're discouraged. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. Some versions will say, guard or keep your heart, for it determines the course of your life. So being aware what you allow into your heart and what flows from you. So know the condition of your heart. So once you recognize that you're in or you're being discouraged or you are discouraged, take these steps. Psalms 56, 3. Psalms 56, 3. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust you. So simple, right? Fear partners with discouragement to rob destiny and purpose. And Psalms 56, 3 says, whenever I'm afraid... I will trust in you. Simple, right? I want you guys to get this. Whenever I'm afraid, what is the first thing that you should do? Trust in him. So it's knowing what he says, knowing what he's already said, and guess what? Stepping out in the things that he's already spoken. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Or put it this way, whenever I'm afraid, step out of the boat. (laughs) Whenever I'm afraid, do the thing that God has spoken to you. Whenever I want to close myself off, I will run to you. Whenever I'm afraid, I will direct my attention to you. 
So there are a few practical ways that you could do that. Read scripture, prayer, uh, listen to the voice of God, decree, remind yourself of his promises, pray in tongues, worship in song, rejoice in the Lord. So another practical step to confront discouragement is watch what comes out of your mouth. This is a great tool for awareness. That might actually be Proverbs if you're, if you're looking. That's why I was looking back there to make sure. It, it could be Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 56.3. I think that's what it is. Well, then it's Psalms. Yeah, so I was right. All right. That TV up there, you can't trust what's on TV, you know? <laughs> okay, only a few laughs on that one. All right. So another way, another way that you can uh, confront discouragement is watch what comes out of your mouth. There's two reasons, because it reveals, it makes you aware. And another thing is it also reinforces Proverbs 18, 21, or it could be Psalms. We're not sure. Uh, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Yeah, Proverbs. That's what I said the first time. I'm glad you're listening. All right. See, I get really frustrated sometimes like when people like quote scriptures and they just take the negative connotation. It's like, Oh, you said something out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, yeah, if you put good things in, what's going to come out? Or death and life are in the power of the tongue. And people are like, oh, death and life, you're saying these things. Well, yeah, those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Guess what? If you love to speak things of life and freedom and liberty, guess what fruit you're going to eat? Right? Come on. So this verse is plainly stating that the tongue is powerful and it's up to you where you would like to extend that power. So what is the purpose of the tongue? The original design, why was it created to be powerful? You ever think about those things? Why do we have a tongue? Why was it so powerful? Didn't you realize that this is going to be a problem? (laughs) So empower means to extend authority or power to someone or something. So before the fall, there wasn't death. So its original design was to give life. So the original design of the tongue was to empower or to extend life. Do you realize that your tongue has a power to sustain dead things? What does it say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Have you ever rehearsed old offenses that remain just as powerful as the first day you experienced it? Just rehearse it. You just keep on speaking it. Guess what's happening? Your tongue is empowering those things. I don't know if it's funny, but it's a real example. But... Because we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
But when we use our tongue for death, what are we doing? We're trying to give life support to things that were meant to be dead. You're extending authority and power, life to those dead things. So unaddressed discouragement will weaken your resolve. Proverbs, maybe. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Philippians 4, 4. I'm just going to give you a few more scriptures. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm just trying to find where the situation isn't always. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I love that. There are multiple times in scriptures like, yeah, I'm, I know I have already said this, but I'm going to say it again because it's good for you. <laughs> I love that. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Re <laughs> Rejoice. <laughs> Philippians 3, 1. Further, yeah, in case you didn't get it. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. This sounds like a parent, if you really look at this. Sometimes, all right, we won't bring that up. It's no trouble for me. Hey, they're in use, so I'm good. All right, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, as it is a safeguard for you. I'm trying to protect you. Another way to break it is refuse to allow your past negative experience, experiences the power to determine your present level of obedience. You know, Lord, we were out all night long fishing and we didn't catch anything. Yeah, I want you to go throw your nets. And then Peter says, at your word, Lord. Another one is be aware of your season. Past failures or disappointments could be your harvest today. Is there a cloud out there? Didn't see one. Go again. Is there a cloud? No. Go again. How many times was it? Seven times, wasn't it? Seven times. Wow. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. Another one is stop trying to fix the feeling of discouragement and confront it head-on through acts of faith. The next one is break off discouragement by conquering and collecting small victories. I love the attitude of David. So what's going to happen for the guy that kills this Philistine? For 30 days, the, 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 Israel, the Israelites were cowering in fear. He was coming out. He was insulting them. And a boy around 14 years old <laughs> comes and says, hey, what's going to happen for the guy that defeats this? And then his brother got really mad. That's my favorite part. It's like, why have you come here? And then David's like, is there not a cause, man? And he's like... It, I don't know. It makes me laugh every time. 
he's he's all mad. His older brother's all mad at him, and then uh, his, David turns his back and talks to someone else. So that tells you his brothers knew that you didn't want to mess with David because. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your loving kindness and your goodness that leads me to repentance. Forgive me for giving an open door to discouragement. And by faith, I close the door to it and make a decision to not allow that door to open again. Now give me fresh eyes and ears to see and hear what your plans are for my situation. I know that I can trust whenever I'm afraid. I will choose to run to you. My future is bright in the safety of your loving arms. So, Father, right now, we just cast our cares upon you. And, Lord, we repent for where we've given the open door to fear and discouragement. And the beauty of repentance is that we're made right. And so in, in repentance, Lord, we receive the life that you supply. And Lord, if I forgot that thing that you told me to do that I haven't done, remind me, Lord, so that I can step out in faith Lord, I just give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we have the healing team?